to on their birthday i'm your host brooke and i just want to say welcome to not just you but me as well this is our first ever episode and i am so excited to finally start partaking on this adventure i am starting this in hopes to get to know more about people and how they work and how they became who they became and how they influenced us. As we get to know more about people, I'm so excited for us to get to know more about each other and ourselves. So, I hope you stick around, and I hope you enjoy our very first episode. We're going to be talking about Elvis Presley. Now, I could have talked about him for hours. There was so much material on him that I researched that I had to shorten and get the good stuff and um, try my best to give you all the things that you need to know about Elvis without giving you too much of an earful. So, with that being said, if I miss out on any of your favorite Elvis details, feel free to um, write in to our email suggestion. Our email address is going to be on their birthday at gmail.com. No spaces, no dashes, no nothing, just on their birthday at gmail.com. So, with all of that being said, I'm so glad you're here and willing to listen. I hope you stick around and we'll go ahead and get started with our very first on their birthday. Elvis Aaron Presley was born January 8, 1935, in Tupelo, Mississippi, to parents Vernon Elvis Presley and Gladys Love Presley. His twin brother, Jesse Garen Presley, was born just 35 minutes before him, but unfortunately was stillborn. Because of this, Elvis formed a close bond with his mother. Vernon, his father, showed very little ambition in his work, so he frequently hopped around jobs, and his family relied on government assistance. Eventually, Vernon caused the family to lose their home after he was found to have altered a check. So Gladys and Elvis moved in with relatives while Vernon was um, being jailed. In September 1941, Elvis was only in first grade when he entered his first ever singing contest. On October 3, 1945, he had his first ever public performance. He played the song Old Ship by Red Foley, as you heard just a moment ago. And he recalled placing fifth. On his birthday a few months later, his parents got him his first ever guitar. However, Elvis was really hoping for a rifle or a bicycle. But nevertheless, he began taking guitar lessons over the next year from two of his uncles and the family's pastor. In September 1946, Elvis started attending a new school and was known for being a real loner. The next year, he started bringing his guitar to school every day, but now, instead of being known as a loner, he was the trashy kid who played that quote-unquote hillbilly music. But he kept playing because he was crazy about music, as described by a friend. In November of 1948, the Presleys moved to Memphis, Tennessee, and while attending Elsie Humes High School, his music teacher, after giving Elvis a C, 
told him that he had no aptitude for singing. So he decided to bring his guitar and play the recent hit at the time, Keep Them Cold Icy Fingers Off Me, to prove to her that she was wrong. But she still stood firm in her opinion of him. During his junior year at the high school, Elvis began to stand out because of his appearance. His sideburns styled with rose oil and Vaseline. When he found free time, he would travel to Beale Street, where Memphis's blue scene was thriving. B.B. King recalled that he had known Elvis before he was famous because they would often run into each other here on Bill Street. Elvis would look at the clothes by the Langsky brothers and hope for them to be his, and by his senior year, they were. Elvis had no formal music training and learned to play by ear, not knowing how to read music. He listened to the regional radio stations that played what was known as quote-unquote race records, which were spirituals, blues, and the modern sound of rhythm and blues. And when Elvis graduated high school in June of 1953, he had already decided music was his future. That following August, Elvis went to Memphis recording service to pay for a few minutes of studio time to record My Happiness, and That's When Your Heartache Begins. His intention was to gift it to his mother for her birthday and to possibly even see what he sounded like. After recording, Sam Phillips, the boss at the studio, who later started Sun Records, asked his secretary to take down his name. Alongside it was her own commentary. Quote, good ballad singer, hold, end quote. Phillips asked Elvis to sing as many number one hits as he knew, mostly from black musicians at the time, as that was his focus for his record label's desired sound. Late in the evening of July 5th, about the time everyone was going to call it a night, Elvis got his guitar once more and began playing Arthur Crudup's That's Alright. Phillips began taping this because this is what he had been looking for. Three days later, the recording was playing on the radio, interested listeners calling in to ask who this kid was and what race he was. His trio, made up of Elvis, Scotty Moore, and Bill Black, performed publicly for the first time on July 17th and by the end of the month was opening for Slim Whitman. This is where Elvis's rubber legs were premiered, a signature dance move created by nervousness and rhythm. Over the next few months, the trio played regular gigs, and Elvis began to feel more and more confident on stage. On October 2nd, Elvis made his first and only Grand Ole Opry appearance, said to have not suited the program. In November of 1954, Elvis performed on Louisiana Hayride, the Opry's rival. This show broadcasting from Shreveport, Louisiana reached 28 states on 198 radio stations. In his first set, Elvis had an attack once again with nerves, which resulted in a less than good audience response. But the second set was much more composed and energetic, drawing an enthusiastic response. After the show ended, Elvis was booked for a year's worth of Saturday night appearances. He bought a new guitar and his trio set off on more performances. In early 1955, Elvis's frequent appearances on Louisiana Hayride gained him attention from Colonel Tom Parker, who was known as the best promoter in the business at the time. He was currently with the new number one country singer, Hank Snow, and had booked Elvis as the opener on his February tour. However, because of this tour, he began falling down on his Hayride appearances, which resulted in less radio playtime. Most other radio stations would not play his music either because he sounded, quote, too much like a black musician, end quote, or he was, quote, too hillbilly, end quote. Thus, the term rockabilly was made. 
at the Country Disc Jockey Convention in November, Elvis was still voted the year's most promising male artist. But despite this award, Elvis found it hard to find a record company willing to sign him. Finally, Parker and Phillips got a deal with RCA Victor to buy out his contract with Sun Records. Because Elvis was only 20 at the time, he was still considered a minor, so his father signed the contract for him. RCA Victor began heavily promoting its new artist and by the end of the year had reissued many of Elvis's old Sun records. On January 10, 1956, Elvis made his first recordings for RCA Victor. The single Heartbreak Hotel was released on January 27th. On January 28th, he performed on CBS's stage show and stayed to record in RCA Victor's studio in New York. These sessions produced eight songs, including a cover of Blue Slade Shoes. In February, Elvis's old manager had his contract terminated, and by March 2nd, Parker had become Elvis's manager. Elvis's self-titled debut album was released on March 23rd with a wide variety of tracks, including two country songs and a bouncy pop tune. He was credited to not just re-recording and covering songs by black musicians, but known for reshaping them, making the guitar the lead and not piano. This album became the first rock and roll album to top the Billboard charts, holding its position for 10 weeks. On April 3rd, Elvis made his first appearance on the Milton Berle Show. A few days later, he took flight to Nashville to record, but the experience left the whole band shaken when an engine died and the plane almost went down. In late April, Elvis began a two-week residency on the Las Vegas Strip. The show received poor reviews by conservative middle-aged guests. During this time, Elvis began pursuing his acting career and signed a seven-year contract with Paramount Pictures. After his residency, Elvis traveled to the Midwest for a tour and stopped at a show with Freddie Bell and the Bell Boys in Vegas and was inspired by the cover of Big Mama Thornton's Hound Dog and made it his new closing number. His second appearance on the Milton Berle show was on June 5th, and during the performance of Hound Dog, he halted it to slow it down. He waved his arms slowly with grinding and energetic body movements. This gained him the nickname Elvis the Pelvis, a nickname he called, quote, one of the most childish expressions I have ever heard coming from an adult, end quote. The audiences at Elvis's live show became increasingly fevered. At his two shows in September, at the Mississippi-Alabama Fair and Dairy Show, they had to call in 50 National Guards to make sure that the crowd could stay controlled. His second album was released in October and once again climbed to the top of the Billboard charts. His first motion picture released on November 21st, originally called The Reno Brothers, but changed to Love Me Tender when the song had hit the charts earlier that same month. In the film, four musical numbers were added to take advantage of who Elvis was. While the film did well at the box office, it received nearly opposite feedback from critics. On December 4th, Elvis popped into Sun Records where Carl Perkins and Jerry Lee Lewis were recording and having an impromptu jam session with Johnny Cash. Even though Phillips no longer had the right to Elvis's music after he left, he made sure to record that moment, known as the Million Dollar Quartet when it was released 25 years later. Elvis's year ended up with a whopping $22 million from merchandise earnings on top of record sales, and more songs in the top 100 than any artist since records were first charted. His first year at RCA Victor accounted for more than 50% of the label's sales. 
Each of the three singles Elvis released in the first half of 1957 went to number one. Some like Too Much, All Shook Up, and Let Me Be Your Teddy Bear. He was quickly becoming popular around the world, even to people who did not yet hear his music. Between filming and recording, Elvis, at only 22 years old, bought an 18-room mansion, which he named Graceland. He did this on March 19, 1957, and it was for himself and his parents. During this time, he recorded the soundtrack to his second film and his third straight number one album. Then he released a Christmas album, and you guessed it, it became his fourth number one album, becoming the best-selling Christmas album in the United States. On March 24, 1958, Elvis was drafted into the United States Army. After much media attention, he announced that he was going to be treated differently than anyone else. Between March 28th and September 15th, he completed basic training. And on a brief break in June, he went to record five songs in Nashville. In early August, his mother was diagnosed with hepatitis and was quickly getting worse. Because of this, Elvis was granted emergency leave and visited her on August 12th. And just two days later, she died of heart failure. This absolutely devastated Elvis as their relationship remained extremely close. Possibly a little too close, but that's a story for another time. But, for example, they would use baby talk with each other, and Elvis would address his mother with pet names. Anyways, back to it. On October 1st, 1958, he was assigned to be an armor intelligence specialist, and on November 27th, he was promoted to private first class. Then on June 1st, only eight months since his first assignment, he was promoted to specialist fourth class. During this time, Elvis was introduced to amphetamines by another soldier on the premise of energy, strength, and weight loss. During his placement in Germany, he met a 14-year-old girl named Priscilla Bolu. They would eventually get married after a seven-and-a-half-year courtship. Priscilla later said that he was worried about his two-year spell as a GI and how it would affect his career. He wanted to perform when he could during his assignments, but Colonel Parker said it would be better for his popular respect and that he should serve as a regular soldier. But despite this, he still managed to get 10 top 40 hits. He was promoted to sergeant on February 11, 1960. Elvis returned to the United States on March 2, 1960, after an honorable discharge. A Nashville session shortly after his return yielded two of his best-selling singles, It's Now or Never and Are You Lonesome Tonight? And the album released just a few days after recording, reaching number two on the charts. J.I. Blues, a soundtrack album to Elvis's first film upon his return, reached number one in October. His first gospel album, His Hand in Mine, followed just too much later, reaching number 13 on the U.S. charts, and number 3 on the U.K. charts. The following March, a 12-hour session nearly completed Elvis's next studio album, Something for Everybody. It quickly became his sixth number one album. On March 25th, Elvis performed his last benefit concert for seven years at Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. Elvis was being pushed by Colonel Tom Parker to stick to the Hollywood formula of films, but Elvis wanted to pursue higher roles. However, the film's flaming star and wild in the country were too dramatic to be a success, so Elvis decided to follow the formula. He went on to make 27 films during the 1960s. While many of those films were not very good, 
they still managed to make a profit. 15 out of the 27 films were accompanied by soundtracks. And as time went on, the soundtracks were getting, mm, quote, progressively worse. In the first half of the decade, three of these soundtrack albums reached number one on the pop charts, some of these songs being universally known, such as Can't Help Falling in Love, Return to Cinder, Viva Las Vegas, and Crying in the Chapel. During this time, Elvis released non-film albums as well. His second gospel album, How Great Thou Art, won him his second Grammy Award for Best Sacred Performance. Around this time, Elvis proposed to Priscilla, and they married on May 1, 1967, in Las Vegas. Lisa Marie Presley was born on February 1, 1968. She was Elvis's only child, and at the time she was born, he was deeply unhappy with his career. Between January 1967 and May 1968, only two out of the eight singles he had released touched the top 40, and none of them were higher than 28. His following soundtrack album, Speedway, would rank at number 82 on the Billboard charts. Parker began to think about a shift back to TV appearances for Elvis and recorded the infamous 68 comeback special in June, and it premiered on December 3, 1968. Viewers in a small audience in studio saw Elvis in tight black leather singing and playing guitar very reminiscent on his early days. This was his first live performance since 1961. However, Parker had intended this to be a Christmas special, and with the help of Steve Binder, the director and co-producer, Elvis performed songs that he wanted. That show was the highest rated that season for NVC and captured 42% of the total viewing audience. After the success of the comeback special, Elvis went to record at the American Sound Studio, which resulted in the acclaimed From Elvis in Memphis album. It released in June 1969 and was his first non-secular and non-soundtrack album in eight years. Some singles from the album included In the Ghetto, Bossa Nova Baby, don't Cry Daddy, Kentucky Rain, and Suspicious Minds. In May the following year, a new hotel in Las Vegas, International Hotel, had announced that it had booked Elvis to perform 57 shows in just four weeks, beginning at the end of July. Elvis's band, who had been with him, declined the offer to join, so he put together a new top-notch accompaniment. Elvis took the stage without an introduction, and it wasn't needed. The audience gave him a standing ovation before he even sang a single note. The next day, after a successful first performance, Parker's negotiations with the owner of the hotel resulted in a $1 million a year, five-year contract where Elvis was required to play each February and August. He returned to the International Hotel in early 1970 for the first of the year's two-month-long engagement, performing two shows every night. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer filmed a rehearsal and concert at the International in August for a documentary titled Elvis, that's the way it is. In this, he was performing in a jumpsuit, which would later become his trademark look. After the end of his international engagement on September 7th, he went on a week-long concert tour in the South and a week-long tour of the West Coast in November. On December 21st, 1970, Elvis attended a meeting with President Richard Nixon where he expressed his patriotism. He even discussed how he believed that he could reach out to the hippies to combat the drug culture. But Nixon found the encounter 
awkward and told Elvis that he could send a message to young people that was positive. Elvis continued to release studio albums that were not linked to films, including a Christmas album. His gospel album, He Touched Me, released in April 1972 and earned him his second Grammy Award for Best Inspirational Performance. After going on a 14-day tour, Burning Love was released and it would be his last top 10 single on the U.S. pop chart. Elvis and Priscilla were becoming increasingly distant as time went on. In 1971, he had an affair with Joyce Bova, but he had mentioned that he wanted her to move into Graceland and that he was going to leave Priscilla. Finally, on February 23, 1972, Elvis and Priscilla separated. Priscilla disclosed her relationship with Mike Stone, a karate instructor that Elvis had actually recommended to her. Five months later, Linda Thompson, Elvis's new girlfriend, moved into Graceland with him. Him and Priscilla filed for divorce on August 18th. On January 14th, 1973, Aloha from Hawaii aired live to audiences in Japan, South Korea, Thailand, the Philippines, Australia, and New Zealand, as well as to the U.S. servicemen across Southeast Asia. The next night, it was aired to 28 European countries, and in April, an extended version was aired in the U.S., where it won 57% of the TV audience. Elvis's stage costume became the most recognized example of his latter-day persona. Elvis's divorce was finalized on October 9, 1973. At this time, Elvis's health was noticeably declining. He had spent three days in a coma in his hotel suite. Towards the end of 1973, he was hospitalized from the effects of a pethidine, a known opioid. Despite these health scares, he managed to perform 168 concerts, his busiest schedule yet, and still wanted to pursue the same intensive tour schedule in 1974. His condition continued on the decline. In September, his keyboardist is quoted to have said, He fell out of the limousine to his knees. He pushed people away who tried to help. He walked on stage and held onto the mic for the first 30 minutes like it was a post. Everyone's looking at each other like, is the tour going to happen? He could barely get through the introduction, and it was so bad the words to the songs were barely intelligible. Elvis and Linda Thompson split in November of 1976, and he had a new girlfriend, Ginger Alden. On March 31, 1977, Elvis canceled a performance due to not being able to get out of his hotel bed. A total of four shows had to be rescheduled. He tried his best to stick to his touring commitments despite his failing health. Elvis's last single, Way Down, as heard just a moment ago, released on June 6, 1977. His final concert was held in Indianapolis on June 26, 1977. The book, Elvis, What Happened, was published on August 1st. It was the first book to expose details of Elvis's years of drug misuse. By this point, he was suffering from glaucoma, hypertension, also known as high blood pressure, liver damage, and an enlarged colon. On the evening of August 16, 1977, Elvis was scheduled to fly out to begin another tour but Ginger discovered him unresponsive on the bathroom floor of his Graceland mansion. The attempts to revive him failed, and he was pronounced dead at 3.30 p.m. He was only 42 years old. Elvis's cause of death is believed to have been caused by polypharmacy, a condition caused by taking multiple medications for one symptom. He was said to have had 14 drugs in his system, 10 in excessive quantities. 
Many still speculate that his actual cause of death was cardiac arrest due to an enlarged heart and had nothing to do with drugs. Most people believe both, that his violent heart attack was exacerbated by the drugs he had been taking. Elvis was known as the central figure in the development of rockabilly, but he is known to have recorded and made records that were in more than just one genre. He is credited to have introduced the vocal stutter and had a wide range for his voice. His rise to fame had a huge effect on the broader scope of popular culture, and he was known for being a catalyst for rock and roll and was central to not just defining it as a musical genre, but also in making it a touchstone of youth culture and rebellious attitude. Because of its racially mixed origins, rock and roll's central position in the mainstream facilitated a new acceptance and appreciation of black culture. Little Richard is quoted, He was an integrator. Elvis was a blessing. They wouldn't let black music through. He opened the door for black music. Elvis's name, image, and voice are still recognized around the world. In many polls, he is recognized as one of the most important music artists and influential Americans. John Lennon of the Beatles said that nothing really affected me until Elvis. Bob Dylan described his first sensation of hearing Elvis as, like, busting out of jail. As of this recording, Elvis still holds the records for most songs charting the Billboard's Top 40, 115 songs, and Top 100, which was 152 songs. The Recording Industry Association of America credits Elvis with 146 0.5 million certified album sales in the U.S., which is third all-time behind the Beatles and Garth Brooks. He holds the records for the most gold albums, 101 to be exact, and his 25 multi-platinum albums behind the Beatles, 26. As we remember Elvis on his birthday, let's not ever forget that first and foremost, take care of yourself before anything else. Elvis's work ethic is one to be inspired by, but don't let it get you too low to get back up. As the world remembers Elvis's legacy, either directly or indirectly, let us take a moment to appreciate the influence he has brought not just to music, but to every aspect of life. Thank you so much for listening. Please share with everyone you care about, and feel free to send in your favorite person, and I'll see you on their birthday. Bye. Wait, wait, wait,